Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Scripts. This is episode 451 for your November 6th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me right here on your Sunday evenings, wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into. We had a very, very busy weekend. Friday, we had the SmackDown Go Home show. Saturday, we had that really, really good Crown Jewel show. And tonight, we are live for episode 451 of the flagship right here on Off the Script. VIP only on your Sunday evenings as usual. So if you guys want to join in on the conversation, you're going to have to join the VIP club. Become a channel member right here on the podcast, man. We got a lot to get into. I got a ton of news for you. And I didn't really have any shortage of wrestling news this week. Which is a good thing. Keeps me on my toes. But we got news coming out of Crown Jewel. We got news on Logan Paul. Some bad news about Logan Paul, which, I mean, the man is just a fucking unbelievable piece of work, man. Let me tell you. Logan Paul apparently tore his meniscus, his MCL, ACL, every other L in that match with Roman Reigns last night. I got news on Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. What's going to happen for a third match, potentially? I got news on Jake Paul. Now, this rumor going around in WWE that Logan Paul and Jake Paul might be challenging the Usos for the Tag Team Championships. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I think you guys need to slow your roll down, man. We're not doing Logan Paul and Jake Paul the Tag Team Championships. Now that, that, that defeats the purpose of everything you've seen on television with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. We got news on R-Truth. Apparently, he was really, really badly injured on Tuesday's NXT. I got news on Vince McMahon. Apparently, the investigation is over. That investigation is complete. News on Triple H. Different things that he's working on. Looking to sign more independent wrestlers. He thinks Cora Jade is the next Sasha Banks. And we got AEW news, man. I got news on Colt Cabana. Why was Colt Cabana on AEW Dynamite Wednesday? CM Punk, is he retiring? Is he getting his contract bought out? Is he wanting to wrestle? And Matt Hardy got into some hot water today on Twitter. Or not today, yesterday I believe it was where he said he saw everything go down and then he had to clarify some podcast statements that he didn't witness the ma uh, the brawl at All Out. Might as well have been a match. And that he stands with the elite. So we got a lot to get into, guys. I appreciate you joining me right here on OTS. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below in the description below. 
Hit that thumbs up. I know we still got people filtering on in here, man. We got people coming on in. I'm going to need a 1,000 likes minimum. That is the goal every single show. A 1,000 likes minimum before we get out of here tonight. So you guys got a couple hours to do that, and I would hope that you hit the thumbs up. Super Chats are open. You guys are, are already showing love. Thank you guys so very much. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. I got two cold beverages, one here, and I got one on reserve. And memberships, they are open. Always accepting applications from all over the world to sit VIP right here in the OTS venue. Make sure you guys go and do that. Become a channel member. I'd love if you guys can gift some memberships, man. Let's gift some memberships. I believe I should have that. My second gaming channel has the option to do that. I don't know why my main channel does not. I don't know. So make sure you guys uh, go and hit that channel membership. Join the VIP club. You guys get all those emotes, and you guys get to chat on Sunday night with us when it is VIP only. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. 30 days free of their service. And one free audiobook of your choice. You get one free audiobook on me. You guys can cancel that service anytime within the 30 days you sign up. But it's free, so why not? AudibleTrial.com slash script. Let's get into the news, man. We're going to start off at the top. Let's start off with some Crown Jewel. I thought Crown Jewel was a great show. I thought Crown Jewel really delivered. I know a lot of people don't like these Saudi shows for one reason or another. Neither do I, I think. The Crown Jewel shows kind of dumb down and hamper down the pay-per-view uh, build. The Monday night and Friday night shows that we see leading up to said Saudi show. I think the entire TV landscape of WWE is just very blah. It is very lackluster. Crown Jewel, though, delivered. Crown Jewel had a lot of great action on it. Crown Jewel really didn't disappoint. There were some things that I did not like, and we went over all of it in the review. It's on the channel. Go and check it out. I did not like that ending with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. I did not like the fact that WWE hot potatoed the women's tag team titles. Omos and Braun Strowman, for what it was, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't a five-star classic like Braun Strowman was trying to get across on social media today like a fucking idiot. But the big thing that happened on Crown Jewel on Saturday afternoon was obviously Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Tremendous match. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns had one of the best Roman Reigns matches in his entire two-year run. What is it? Almost 800 days. 800 days or so, right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable match between Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. The other big match that happened on Saturday night was Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Once again, they started off all right, but to me, the match ended up disappointing a lot of people, and the ending was fucking awful. I did not like the ending at all. So Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley squared off in the open of Crown Jewel on Saturday afternoon. The match was mostly dominated by Bobby Lashley, who had him in the hurt lock. That is Bobby Lashley's submission hold for all the new geeks out there that don't know Bobby Lashley. But Lesnar pushed him off the turnbuckle and landed on him via the turnbuckle for a pin. It was basically the same ending as the Stone Cold Steve Austin Bret Hart match in 1996 at the Survivor Series at Madison Square Garden. And it was basically the same finish that Bret and Owen did in 1994, two years before that, at WrestleMania 10 inside Madison Square Garden. But the thing is, the reason why I didn't like the ending was A, it came out of nowhere, and B, 
It made Bobby Lashley look like a fucking geek. He was dominating the whole match, and all of a sudden, Lesnar, who's in this hurt lock for about two minutes, jumps off the turnbuckle, reverses the hurt lock into a pin, and Bobby Lashley freshes a daisy, or at least up until that point, right? Took some offense, but mostly freshes a daisy, could not kick out. Give me a break. So it's clear that WWE, by this ending and the post-match attack, want to do a third match. This is something that Lashley hinted earlier in the week during an interview, I believe, in Saudi Arabia. In January, Lashley beat Lesnar to win the WWE title at the Royal Rumble. Lesnar gets his win back, so now we're tied 1-1. Dave Meltzer talked about this on the Wrestling Observer Radio, and he noted that WWE originally planned to do the trilogy at day one in January. However, that event has been canceled, and now it's still up in the air when the third match gets booked. The story of the match is that Lashley totally dominated him, says Dave Meltzer, but Lesnar won the match. It leads to their now one-and-one tie, and there's a natural third match coming. I don't know if they're going to save it for WrestleMania. I don't know when. Originally, it was supposed to be day one, but obviously that event got canceled. I don't know if they'll do it at Survivor Series. I don't know. I'm not sure where they'll do it. They may do it in Montreal or save it for WrestleMania, end quote. Now, I want to like what they're doing here, but I just physically can't bring myself to care. We saw it once, it disappointed. We saw it twice, it disappointed. I think WWE is batting under uh, 500 here for these matches. It's not a good look. Especially with somebody like Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley going head-to-head, face-to-face. Should be a banger. But here we are looking, eh, and feeling, eh, about the match. When would I do it? I'd get it done as quickly as I can. I'd get it out of the way and don't have to worry about it ever again because I have somebody in mind that I'd love to have in the ring with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, which would make it more of a WrestleMania match than Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. When I'm doing it, I'm doing it at the Royal Rumble. I'm doing it at the Royal Rumble. I'm giving it a nice undercard spot, and I would have them or one of them in the Royal Rumble. I don't think Lesnar needs to be in the Royal Rumble. I don't think Lesnar needs to be in the Royal Rumble because it's going to give him the perception that he may win it again. Nobody wants that. Lesnar's not winning the Royal Rumble, nor should he win the Royal Rumble. Lashley, on on the other hand, could be in the Royal Rumble. But I'm getting it out of the way as soon as I can. Survivor Series or Royal Rumble? I don't know where, what their plans are for Survivor Series. Maybe they do it at Survivor Series and we get it out of the way, which would be great. And we can move on from this fucking mess. But as far as a third match, it needs to happen sometime between now and the Royal Rumble. I don't want to see it at WrestleMania because what we have seen of it already, it is not a WrestleMania match. It's not. The fucking simpletons out there may think it's a WrestleMania match. Oh, it's, it's Lesnar. It's Lashley. It's two uh, UFC guys. No. Nobody gives a fuck. And if you do, your, uh, your expectations are very, very mediocre. Really. What am I doing with Lesnar at, at, at WrestleMania? You want to know what I'm doing with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? I'm putting him one-on-one against Edge. That's what I'm doing. Edge needs some big money matches, man. He's been feuding with Judgment Day all year. Let's get Edge back in a major major WrestleMania program. Let's get Edge in there with Brock Lesnar. I don't know what you guys want to see from Brock Lesnar, but to me, 
There really isn't anybody on the active roster that's worth anything right now against Brock Lesnar. He's basically wrestled everybody. So let's get Edge in there against Brock Lesnar. That's my WrestleMania match. Let me know what you guys think about that. But from now until Rumble, somewhere in between, it needs to happen. I do not feel like this is a WrestleMania match based on what we've been given. And I don't want to see it built towards WrestleMania because at that point, you are really, really, really stretching your fucking fan base to give a shit about something that's been very, very mid. Logan Paul. Easily the best thing on Saturday afternoon. Logan Paul suffered a torn meniscus, an MCL, potential ACL tear at Crown Jewel in his match against Roman Reigns. Now, Logan Paul announced on his social media that he has a torn meniscus, MCL, and potential ACL tear. Paul says it happened about halfway through the match. When you consider how much he did during the second half of the match, which makes me fucking wonder if he really did tear any of these ligaments... What he did in the second half of the match, if he tore all of these ligaments, is absolutely mind-boggling. Unbelievable. It's pretty incredible that he was still able to continue at such a high level. I do think that it it, it could have been one of two spots. One, it could have been off the the buckshot lariat that everybody's going crazy over. I mean, I mean, I, I could drop I could drop a fucking deuce in the middle of the IWC that all fucking go crazy over. These people get excited about the littlest of nothing. You're all pretending like, oh, he, he did he did a buckshot lariat better than Adam Page. <laughs> Everybody's going crazy over a fucking buckshot lariat clothesline. You fucking kidding me? God almighty, man. It's like the entire IWC is a bunch of fucking infant children. That's what tickles you? That's what makes you entertained? That's the one thing you took away from the match. Nothing else. He did the buckshot, which I think could have led to him tearing these ligaments, or it could have been that ridiculous spot where he jumped off the fucking turnbuckle with the camera in his hand, and he did a big splash through the table and Roman Reigns towards the end of the match. I don't know. I don't know where it actually happened. But whatever happened and wherever it it occurred, I mean, the man is incredible. The injury likely means that he would be gone for several months. I don't really see him wrestling between now and WrestleMania anyway. It's unknown when he was going to be used again on WWE TV, but he has a multi-year deal, and the next logical time to him would be Royal Rumble. For him to appear at the Royal Rumble, that's clear. If he tore all these ligaments, he ain't ain't showing up at no fucking Royal Rumble. That seems unlikely right now, but he could potentially be back in time for WrestleMania, depending on the severity of the injury. Obviously, we wish Logan Paul the best in his recovery process. You know, I don't want to say everything's a work. You know, that that uh, that word's been uh, thrown around very loosely all year round. Punk is a work. The Elite is a work. Andrade's a work. Sammy Guevara, Eddie Kingston is a work. Everything's a fucking work, right? Everything's a work. Jake Cargill acting like a fucking dummy on social media to a work, right? Everything's a work. I don't want to say this is a work, but... It would be quite the clever way for WWE to keep Logan Paul off of television before he does something major at WrestleMania. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say it is, but 
to tear your MCL, ACL, and then meniscus in the, in, the, in the match with Roman Reigns and then continue on as if nothing... I mean, he wrestled as if nothing happened. Again, I don't want to say so, but if he is injured, I hope he gets back quick. I do. I thought what he brought to the table was absolutely incredible against Roman Reigns. I said this last night. It was one of the best Roman Reigns matches in his entire WWE world title run. Look at the talent that he's been in the ring with Edge and Brian Danielson and Rey Mysterio and Kevin Owens and, you know, at Brian and, and, and Edge, and not only in a triple threat match, but one-on-one as well, right? How many fucking guys he's been in there? He's been in there with Jay Uso. He's been in there with his own blood. Brock Lesnar. I know the list of names is short, but I think it was one of the best matches that Roman Reigns has put on in his entire title run. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I thought if you watched anything from this show or watched highlights of it on social media, if you doubt Logan Paul and his ability and you discredit him because of his social media YouTube background and immediately write off his athleticism and how great he is, I've seen some people making excuses. Well, not everybody has time to prepare like Logan Paul Everybody has time to fucking prepare. What are you talking about? They're on the fucking road every fucking week. Of course they have time to prepare. What a lame fucking excuse. Logan Paul training with Shawn Michaels is not the same fucking thing as working house shows and working the house show circuit with actual fucking talent in the ring with an actual live audience every fucking night. Why are you immediately writing off the man because he's Logan Paul? I don't get it. People are fucking stupid. All because it's Logan Paul, it doesn't count. I'd even go out there and say, he may end up being Rookie of the Year. He may end up being Rookie of the Year for 2022. What about Hook? What about uh, whoever? Braun Breaker. Fuck out of here with a Hook and a Braun Breaker. What are you kidding me? Logan Paul may be the best three-match wrestler in WWE history. And he's not even a full-time guy. He's a part-time guy. Imagine if he was there full-time. He already wrestles better than half the fucking locker room. He already wrestles better than half of the fucking people you see Tony Khan put on dark. So why write him off? I don't get it. Shit like that makes me wish I was not a part of this community. Stupidity. I don't give a shit where your background is. You're going to put in the work and do that type of performance. You're going to get one hell of a fucking praise from me. I even said on my podcast last night, they want to dabble in Logan Paul getting another championship match and potentially winning the world title. You want to give him a one-month, two-month reign? Go ahead. I don't care. I'd be all for it. Especially if he's delivered matches like that against Roman Reigns. So if he is injured... I wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery, man. He did incredible last night. I'm looking forward to what he does next. His brother, Jake Paul. Backstage news on Jake Paul's involvement with WWE following Crown Jewel. In the match with Logan Paul and Roman Reigns, Jake Paul came out to even the odds against the Usos when they got involved and they laid out some of their entourage. Logan Paul will be away, obviously, for uh, many months And PW Insider is reporting an update on Jake's status with the WWE right now, noting that while there are no current concrete plans, there is a lot of interest on both sides to do something when the time is right. 
Jake told the media after the event that he could see himself and Logan become champions in WWE. Logan is under a multi-year deal with the company that he signed earlier this year. He says, and I quote, for sure, why not? That was so much fun. I know we could take it a long way, and yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it, and then everyone here, everyone in WWE was super nice, super helpful. So it just seems like an amazing company to be a part of. Paul later added, who knows? It feels like just the start for sure. Then he was asked about a potential grudge match between the Paul brothers and the bloodline. Jake didn't rule out the possibility of them being champions in WWE. He says this, the bloodline, whatever, bro. I I don't know. I just wish I was out there sooner to help Logan. But I mean, Roman Reigns, he's dope. He's cool. He's a great fighter. And at the end of the day, if we do this for a little bit longer, the Paul brothers will be WWE champions. I don't think that's the narrative going around on social media really is one that I want to see talked about. Oh, let's get Logan Paul and Jake Paul in a tag team title match against the Usos at WrestleMania. No. No, I'm sorry. Whoever came up with that ridiculous idea, I think you need to stop watching professional wrestling, period. The entire idea of the Usos tag team title run leading up to where it is now and into WrestleMania is not for the Logan Paul and Jake Paul duo, the Paul brothers. It's not for the Paul brothers to reap the benefits of. There's only two people in the WWE that should be in that discussion to reap the benefits of the Usos and ending their reign. It is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. You're not wasting valuable television time with what we have seen of Sami Zayn and then soon-to-be Kevin Owens getting involved, wasting all of that valuable TV time and wasting all the excitement of the fans building them up and getting their star to be as bright as it's ever been in WWE to squander that all away for Logan Paul and Jake Paul. No way. Now, I don't mind it happening at a SummerSlam. I don't mind it happening when the Usos drop the titles to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, as long as the Usos are not tag team champions. We do not need them to be tag team champions to wrestle the Paul brothers. So if you want to do it when they lose the titles, fine. I'm all ears. But as soon as they start talking about, yeah, tag team champions, this, and then you get the fans on their fucking side, these are fucking people that are flashing the pan, go with the moment fucking dummies. uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and that's it. I don't want to hear any other discussion. You want to bring them on in when the Usos are no longer tag team champions to do a match? Big time money match? Fine. I'm all ears at that point. You do what you got to do to build up your own roster and make stories and make stars of your own. We don't need to build upon the star Jake Paul and Logan Paul by having them beat the Usos after 500 fucking days. No, thank you. Another man that I ultimately and greatly respect is Drew McIntyre. PW Insider is reporting that Drew McIntyre has been sick with the flu for the past few days, but he still made the long flight from the United States to Saudi Arabia, and he wrestled his match against Karrion Cross inside a steel cage with full-blown flu. McIntyre had the choice to stay home, but he is reportedly very adamant that no matter what, he would make it to the pay-per-view and work the match as scheduled. Drew McIntyre is a fucking beast. That's all I know. Drew McIntyre is absolutely 100% a company guy. He is the type of guy you want on your roster in that role because he is a fucking natural-born leader, man, and I respect the shit out of that. 
He didn't have to fly 17, 18 hours to go wrestle carrying cross inside a steel cage, but he did anyway. He didn't feel good, especially with now, you know, the flu and COVID or how everybody acts with the flu and COVID nowadays. He got on a plane, did his job, went back home, boom. And you would have never even known about it. That man did not show any, any, any weakness or illness last night during that steel cage match. Get well, Drew McIntyre. Get well, R-Truth. R-Truth will be out of action and the laughs and the humor are going to be gone for a while. Serious injury occurred on Tuesday's NXT. If you guys were not watching, I mean, who the fuck does? I mean, the show sucks. R-Truth's most recent match on NXT was against Grayson Waller this past Tuesday, where he had been helped back to the locker room area by the medical staff after a dive over the top rope. That saw R-Truth land awkwardly on the mat. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that R-Truth may have suffered a serious injury. Meltzer says, and I quote, this wasn't confirmed at press time, but the belief was that he tore his quad, which is a very serious injury that could keep him out for a very long time. End quote. Waller was declared the winner due to referee's decision to stop the match. He then cut a promo after the match because it was cut short unexpectedly. This was after R-Truth made an appearance the following week when Waller interrupted the NXT North American champion, Wes Lee, who was addressing the NXT crowd over his win at Halloween Havoc after winning that ladder match, which was tremendous. Wesley won that ladder match on October 22nd. Now, I did see the match on Tuesday. I, I do, believe it or not, watch NXT on Tuesday uh, just so that I'm in the know with everything that's going on. And I saw this match with Grayson Waller, and the first thing that I thought of was, when was the last time R-Truth did a fucking dive over the top rope? A, a, a plancha over the top rope. Why do we have 50-some-odd-year-old R-Truth doing dives over the top rope? Maybe looking back at it, it was not the best decision. It was not the wisest of decisions. Now, listen, I love R-Truth just like everybody else, man. I think he's a breath of fresh air. Every time he comes out, he's fucking hilarious. He's genuine. He could make anybody just crack out there, no matter who it is. He's great at what he does. He's always been great. He's a great wrestler. But I don't think we need R-Truth doing fucking dives over the top rope, tearing his quad at 50 years old. I don't know who put this match together or why he decided to want to do that against Grayson Waller, but it was a mistake, and now he's going to be out at least nine months. I don't get it. Maybe save the dives for somebody like Grayson Waller, who's half your age. Maybe next time he comes back, if he does come back, I can't, I can't see him retiring. He's got so much. He, he looks like he's fucking 30. But maybe save that type of move for Grayson Waller next time. And maybe next time when you do come back and you're back to 100% and recover from this injury, maybe no more dives. Our truth is not about doing dives. Save that shit for people half your age, like I said, Grayson Waller. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's investigation is done. Everybody's like, oh my God, he's on his way back. He's coming back to the company. WWE sources say Vince McMahon is finished in his previous roles. He is not, not coming back. The special investigation into Vince McMahon's alleged misconduct is complete within WWE. The company announced today 
that the special committee, or this week I should say, the special committee has been disbanded following the completion of the investigation. Mr. McMahon can effectively exercise control over our affairs, was mentioned in the company's filing on Wednesday, which led some reading to believe that he could possibly head back to the company. One WWE spokesperson was contacted for comment and said that Vince McMahon was quote-unquote done. Done! They mentioned done twice. Not Kevin Dunn. Done. D-O-N-E. Done. 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 And he would not be returning to the roles that were taken over by Triple H and several others. Beyond that, another WWE higher-up said that the morale in WWE over the past few months has been the highest they've seen it in over a decade that they've been around. What does that tell you? The highest it's been. Morale has been the highest it's been in over a decade. Probably longer than that. I think they're, I think they're being incredibly fucking generous with the fucking decade comment. Really? It's got to be about 30 years. Highest it's been in over a decade that they've been around. I wonder why that is. Why is that? Vince McMahon was a fucking cancer. He was a poison. Why would anybody want him back? You may all love Vince McMahon, but the locker room knows that that man was poison. They have now adopted a new way of life. They're living on Paradise Island. They don't want anything to do with fucking Vince McMahon's bullshit anymore. And neither do the fans. It's the reason why ratings were up. It's the reason why WrestleMania is basically sold out. It's the reason why Royal Rumble is the greatest selling Royal Rumble in 31 years. Everything is up. Interest is up. Social media impressions are up. Fan interest is up. Why would you want this man back when he did nothing but drive business on TV down? He's finished. Another longtime WWE employee said that while they initially had reservations and hesitations and fears regarding Vince McMahon's departure and him possibly and quickly coming back, that's no longer the case. They went as far as to say that everyone in charge realizes that would be a major step backwards for the company and that today's filing instilled even more confidence in those that thought Vince McMahon leaving would be a blow to the company. I hope that man is sitting at home thinking about what he did and what he did to this fucking product and what he did to the fans. At one point, somewhere, some way, somehow, someday, he's going to wake up one day and say, you know what, I was wrong. What I did was not working. My blessing to Triple H, my blessing to my son-in-law, Paul Levesque. Will that day come? I don't know. Vince McMahon is a very greedy, a very narcissistic, a very cocky son of a bitch. He will never admit that he was wrong, ever. Ever. He did everything, everything wrong about the product. Everything. So much so that people say to me, JD, I thought you were a WWE hater. Now you're a WWE bootlicker. Now, I was a Triple H fan, and I hated Vince McMahon's creative vision. I never hated WWE. I only hated Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard and the way that they run things. I always admired and adored Triple H and the way he ran things that I knew would be the right way on the main roster. I said it for, for years. You take what Triple H did on NXT television with the black and gold and you apply it to the main roster and you're going to get instantly better television. And what have we been given? It's the same fucking thing. 
pay-per-views are feeling like takeovers. We're seeing more and more wrestling every week. We're seeing long-term booking. We're seeing storylines, story-driven characters. I mean, I don't sit here and I pretend to be a a fucking know-it-all podcast. I do know it all. Most of it. When I say something and I mean it, I repeat it. And I give you guys the fucking breakdown every single time. I said it then, I'm going to say it now. Look at what Triple H did with NXT. Look at what he's doing to the main roster. It is very simple. It is very similar. No reason to bring Vince back. Vince cost the company $19.4 million. $19.4 million. And the investigation got thrown out. He cost the company almost $20 million. They cleared his name from all this investigation. Why? Because they made him a deal. We'll get rid of this shit. You cost the money, or the company money, 19.4. You cost us this amount of money. We're going to wipe your slate clean, but you ain't coming back. You're fucking done. Good. Good. You ain't going to hear a fucking peep out of me. Good. Goodbye. That's basically what this was. He's done in his previous roles because he was wiped clean. He was start, you know, they gave him a fresh slate. He cost the company 20 million. You ain't coming back. So you give and we give. That's it. Simple. Vince McMahon's finished. Nobody wants him back. Triple H. Triple H is doing a fantastic job on Monday and Friday night. Very excited for the War Games build going into Survivor Series. Triple H is working on changing WWE's presentation. Different from what Vince McMahon's vision was. This was in the newsletter on The Observer. And WrestleVotes recently just talked about WWE getting rid of giving pay-per-views. That was a Vince McMahon vision. Hell in a Cell has been scrapped. The pay-per-view, that is, not the match. The show itself is dead. But the match will live on when the time is right. Now, Triple H, as far as his vision, Meltzer writes, but even that in specific wasn't confirmed. Past that story could be accurate as Paul Levesque is trying to shape a new course and a new presentation, and he wants to forge ahead, not, not in copying Vince McMahon, but he wants to create his own direction. There have been small changes made almost every week since Triple H has taken over. But the format change would be Hunter's biggest change yet. No word on if the event changes will extend to NXT TakeOver shows. The format changes meaning the pay-per-view schedule. The the format of that, uh, how you see the pay-per-views is his biggest undertaking yet for change in WWE. And the reason why we don't have an idea of what's going on yet is the same answer I gave you when all these other changes were happening slow and steady, week over week over week. He has to keep mindful of the investors and the people that are pumping money into the WWE machine. I think at this point it's a little more easy going now, and I think with Vince gone completely, and they see the positive, all the positive that Triple H has created by taking control of the company, I honestly think that their fears... And their hesitations have kind of dumbed down a little bit. But that doesn't mean Triple H is going to be, you know, speeding up the process and wanting to get changes done quicker. You still have to keep mindful of these people. They're pumping money into your company. He wants to keep them happy. He doesn't want to make them worry at all. So slowly but surely, he's rolling out changes. As long as we see the positive news coming, like the Royal Rumble selling out, WrestleMania selling out, right? 
we got pay-per-view changes and, you know, with them canceling an event, you know, to them, it could mean, hey, you're taking an event away from us. You're taking day one away from us, but it doesn't make sense. You're taking day one away. Well, what about that money? Where's that extra money going to come from that was going to be uh, pumped into that show? Uh, why, why are you making the change? It's a very simple change. Triple H is going to make up for it sometime later in the year by adding something new, something exciting, something that's going to generate even more interest than day one. Day one didn't make sense. Day one happens on Sunday, January 1st. What happens in 2024 when day one happens on Monday, January 1st? You can't have a day one pay-per-view on a Monday. It's Monday Night Raw. The entire concept was basically made for the last two years. Triple H said, well, day one's not going to really be kind of in. It's not going to be a thing in 2024. And then we got to wait, what, seven fucking years before we get another day one pay-per-view? Maybe we'll revisit it in seven years. Can't do it. It didn't make sense. They jumped on the money train. They thought it was a cool concept, and boom. They did it last year. They wanted to do it this year. But Triple H is like, no, just fucking get rid of it. It's not my idea. Get rid of it. Now we got no pay-per-view between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. None. He could. There's no WWE pay-per-view in December. There's no WWE pay-per-view until the end of January. That's fresh. We don't need pay-per-views happening every month. I've said this for years. WWE only does it to keep up with their Peacock services, right? They got a contract with Peacock. They want those premium live events. But we don't need premium live events every single month. I'd love to see some of that focus on Monday night and Friday night. I'd love to see some themed shows. I'd love to see, you know, some themed winter shows like AEW does Winter is Coming or AEW does Beach Break or something like that. That's what I'd love to see. I wish Triple H would go and venture down that path. But changes to the pay-per-view schedule are one thing. We've seen changes all over the place. Why haven't people... You know, people have been complaining. Why haven't people in WWE changed the set? Why haven't they changed the theme? Why haven't they changed this and that? All over time. You don't think Triple H has this on his fucking th- uh, plate of things to do? It's coming. They got to keep these people happy. And everything that Triple H does, you know, everything that Triple H does, he's going to do something and he's going to have an answer for these people when they start asking questions. Right now, he's just taking care of the bare minimum. He's taking care of the basic, the simple things that Vince ignored for years because he never wanted to hear anybody tell him that he was wrong and he wanted to stand firm on that he was right. Triple H knew he was wrong and now Triple H is changing. Everything that we knew needed to be changed. Changing presentation different from Vince McMahon, that's the only way you are going to be growing as a WWE. I love it. Another thing that he's wanting to do is sign independent wrestlers, more independent wrestlers. WWE continues to bring back some elements of the old NXT to the new version of NXT, which is basically 2.0 with a new logo. WWE made changes to the production and look of NXT in addition to going away from using smaller, older wrestlers in favor of taller, younger athletes. This was part of the NXT 2.0 rebranding after years of WWE scouting independent wrestlers who would go into the ring and WWE built NXT black and gold around said independent wrestlers. They basically farmed Ring of Honor and made NXT black and gold an indie super show. 
with heavy, heavy influence from what Ring of Honor used to do for many years. On October 4th of NXT, the company showed off a new stage and returned to the black and gold colors fans were used to seeing with the brand. More focus has been put on the in-ring action instead of promo segments like in NXT 2.0, although there is still a lot of character developing happening. Brian Alvarez reported via his Twitter super follows that WWE is scouting independent talent again, and WWE's Gabe Sapolsky was at a Defy show over this past weekend. So now we know where Gabe Sapolsky is working and what his new job is in WWE. Working under Triple H, scouting for NXT, which is a great thing. I said the NIL program was only going to take you so far. I've said this also for months. Their NIL program, their next in-line program where they go out and sign and, and train and scout NIL uh, students or, or athletes from college and lacrosse and soccer and uh, cheerleading and amateur sports, right? People who failed at their professional sports and want to somehow become a professional wrestler, right? They hold these NIL training sessions and these NIL scouting programs. And WWE feels like they could find the next WrestleMania main event star in those NIL programs. But it's going to be a very difficult thing to do to find the next household name, the next WrestleMania main event star in those NIL programs. Because by the time you get them from the NIL program into the Performance Center, it could take a little bit. When they get to the Performance Center, these people are coming in with basically no training. Because this is the idea that Vince McMahon wanted. Vince McMahon wanted absolutely nobody who knew the word professional wrestling. He wanted to take somebody who was a blithering idiot who didn't know at all what to do, and he wanted to train them in his own image. He wanted to train them in the WWE. They didn't want people coming from the Indies. They didn't want people from Ring of Honor. They didn't want people from Defy or Evolve or House of Glory or any of these promotions. They wanted people who didn't know shit to come on in so that they can train them in the way of sports entertainment. That's all they wanted. And that was never a good look for them. Because like I said, by the time you get them from those training sessions, those scouting sessions, then you get them into the performance center. How long are they going to take to really get down everything you need to do? They could take over a year, two years to be even TV ready. In WWE's lifetime, it is a quick turnover, man. It's like baking fucking cookies. WWE wants to take these fucking people, put them on a cookie tray, put them in the oven, and in 10 minutes, they're fucking done. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's why we see so many releases in NXT, and that's why you will continue to see so many releases in NXT, because the releases that you see in NXT are the people that are not getting caught up to speed on where they should be or where WWE wants them to be. The NIL program is good in theory, but my God, the execution is fucking terrible. They gave up signing independent pro wrestlers, and I never understood why. Your next WrestleMania main event guy is on the independent circuit. Your next major household name is on the independent circuit. You're going to find it very easy to find the next whatever the fuck you're looking for on the independent circuit, not the NIL program. WWE took Brock Lesnar in. They took Kurt Angle in from amateur wrestling. You know, they, they, they think that they're going to they're gonna find the next Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Motherfucker, there is no other human being alive that will ever duplicate Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Gable Steveson could be great in his own right, but to make him out to be the next Kurt Angle, I mean, give me a fucking break. Nobody's ever going to be that good. Nobody. 
Those are once-in-a-lifetime athletes. We will never see another Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar in our lifetime. Sorry to tell you. We'll never see another Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or an Undertaker or Stone Cold or a Rock in our generation. It's not going to happen that easy. Vince had it all wrong. Bruce had it all wrong. Signing more independent professional wrestlers is absolutely the way to go, and I'm glad to see them adopting that mentality once again. Royal Rumble. My favorite event of the year. San Antonio, Texas, January 28th at the Alamo Dome. Show has already buzzed around it. We're not even into Survivor Series yet. This is the first Royal Rumble under the Triple H regime. I can't wait. This is going to be fantastic. During the third quarter earnings conference call, WWE co-CEO Nick Khan noted that the Royal Rumble already has a gross gate exceeding $4.6 million. And we're not even through Survivor Series yet. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio this week, Dave Meltzer noted that the show has already secured the second biggest advance in Royal Rumble history and is tracking to be the biggest in the history of the show. He says, and I quote, the Royal Rumble got a 4.6 million advance, which is the second biggest. It's the biggest advance at this stage for the Royal Rumble in history. It's the second biggest of all time for a Rumble. And they've got still another three months to sell tickets. November, December, and January, so it'll be the biggest Royal Rumble ever. Yes, I'm sure that is uh, that is just, you know, not by coincidence, right? It's not by chance. This is all a part of the Vince McMahon removal of power. This is all a part of Triple H being the man in charge. Mark my words. Look at the people's excitement for the fucking show. Just look at the people's excitement. WWE had trouble selling out WrestleMania this year. Yes, it was in AT&T Stadium. Yes, it was in Dallas. But Jesus fucking Christ, it's WrestleMania. WWE was nowhere near a sellout at WrestleMania, no matter how many numbers they want to fucking throw at you on social media. This year's Royal Rumble, sellout. WrestleMania, over 100,000 seats already for both nights. WWE is going to be on its way to selling 70,000, 80,000 tickets for WrestleMania each night. That's not including the stage setup. Why? Because the interest is back in the product. Why? Because of people like me who are absolutely over the moon excited about a Triple H WrestleMania season. It's going to be great. I can't wait. WWE files a trademark. For Queen of the Ring, they filed the trademark for Queen of the Ring on October 28th with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's listed for several uses, including clothing and entertainment services, just like other matches, Helen is selling money in the bank. When the company brought back King of the Ring tournament earlier uh, last year, they also held a tournament for the women called the Queen's Crown Tournament, which was basically Queen of the Ring. Selena Vega won the inaugural female tournament, and it was one of the worst tournaments, if not the worst tournament, in WWE history. Last week, Dave Meltzer reported that WWE is considering bringing back the King and Queen of the Ring as a standalone event. The idea behind the event is for it to be a show that would be both King and Queen of the Ring. Good. Good. I hope that when we get to the middle of the summer, 
And when we get into 2023 and we start rolling out that pay-per-view calendar, that King of the Ring is placed right in between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. I told you this time and time and time again, and I've said this as soon as I heard the news. Money in the Bank, when gimmick pay-per-views were about to be axed, Hell in a Cell's gone, and people were saying, yes, Hell in a Cell, TLC, Money in the Bank was included in that as well. Yes, I would absolutely. Nothing's confirmed right now. But absolutely, I would move Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And WrestleVotes is stating that it is an idea being discussed internally right now. It's not just something that the community is saying. This is actively being discussed in WWE to take the Money in the Bank concept remove it as its own pay-per-view and put it on WrestleMania, making WrestleMania seem that much more important and giving those spots a little bit more of an importance to those who want to be on the WrestleMania card. Saturday has a women's ladder match and Sunday has a men's ladder match. Qualifying matches which make the television shows a little bit more worth watching. You got to qualify to be in the money in the bank. Six women, six men. Instead of doing a battle royal and getting everybody on the fucking pay-per-view for the sake of getting everybody on the pay-per-view, Money in the Bank being at WrestleMania is a tradition that should have never went away. They only capitalized on it because it was an important match. It became an important match, became a popular match, and they wanted to say, hey, it's popular, let's get it its own pay-per-view. No. No. WWE does basically nothing with the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and it hasn't really felt important at all. It would feel important at WrestleMania. There's something else that I would like to see in replace of that, and that is the king of the ring. I'd love to see eight men, eight women. I don't know if we're going to do this in one night, but WWE has a tournament in the middle of the summer to crown a number one contender for whichever championship the, 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 the number one contender is crowned, uh, is, uh, is chosen, what, whichever brand he comes from. WWE championship on Raw, SmackDown, Universal Championship. He gets a championship for whichever brand he's on. At SummerSlam, in the main event, great. Sells itself. All you got to do is come up with a, a great tournament, give people the opportunity to showcase themselves. You got a main event waiting for you at SummerSlam. Same thing with the women. Either a Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship match. Do we do this both on pay-per-view? I don't know. I don't know. WWE could certainly do it at a pay-per-view, but we won't be getting the entire eight-man and eight-woman tournament. We may end up getting the semifinals for both men and women and WWE can count, can call it Queen of the Ring. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe we get a King of the Ring turn. Maybe the women get their own pay-per-view. Maybe this is going to be WWE's way to give the women their own premium live event instead of WWE Evolution. What about WWE Queen of the Ring? Everybody's been crying for another women's pay-per-view. WWE's been pretty fucking adamant about building the women's division up. We have rumors of Chelsea Green coming back. We have rumors of Mia Yim coming back. We have rumors of Tegan Knox coming back. We have all these rumors. Emma just came back. There's a reason why Triple H is bolstering his women's division. The reason that he's bolstering his women's division is, A, he wants to give the women their evolution back, their revolution back, I should say. But also... He's basically telling you what he's doing with the signings that he's bringing on in. Queen of the ring. This may be WWE's way of giving us another pay-per-view for the ladies with the queen of the ring. If that's the case, I'm okay with it. I would be great. The last tournament that Triple H did and spearheaded was the Mae Young Classic, and we know how fucking great that was. Those Mae Young Classic tournaments were fucking great. 
So why not do something similar like that with the main roster, Queen of the Ring? That would be fantastic. Four hours of tournament on pay-per-view, I think that would be fucking monstrous. It would be fantastic. Same thing for the men. Maybe that's where we're going with this. Because I don't know how we do Queen and King of the Ring and then label it one. I don't know how we do Queen and King of the Ring and then have them both take place at the same time. I want full-fledged tournaments. Nothing half-assed. But either way, I'm glad that we're getting something along those lines and we're getting the wheels in motion. Queen of the Ring being patented by WWE and trademarked by WWE only means that we're getting a King of the Ring at some point. When, where, how? How will it fit into the WWE theme of things? Only time will tell, but I think it's pretty confident and, and we can safely say that WWE's bringing back a classic next year. Triple H. There was a report today that Triple H has an idea on who will end Roman Reigns' WWE title run. Now, this is a hot-button topic, man. This is really a hot-button topic, and it could really go any which way. Roman Reigns. We all knew he was going to beat Logan Paul at Crown Jewel. He's still the universal heavyweight champion of WWE. Now, the general consensus, no matter who you talk to, I did this with Don Tony on the Don Tony show. We did the Forbidden Door 3 podcast on Thursday night. Go check it out. Great listen. This was one of the topics of discussion that we talked about on Thursday night. Roman Reigns, the general consensus is that Roman Reigns will retain the WWE Championship every single month that he's got a defense leading up to WrestleMania at WrestleMania 39 where he will wrestle The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and beat The Rock at WrestleMania in the main event for both championships. He will be the head of the table. He will be the tribal chief. It will continue on through WrestleMania. WWE loves numbers. They love milestones. They love just, with, especially with Roman Reigns, they love making who they want, especially in this case, Roman Reigns. They want to create the narrative that Roman Reigns is the greatest of all time. And it's going to be very difficult for them to go out there and deny that. Roman Reigns is going to be the greatest of all time. 1,000 days. Give me sport.com and WrestleVotes are reporting that while Vince McMahon was only thinking about Roman Reigns as champion, he wasn't thinking about who was taking the belt off of Roman Reigns. He wasn't thinking about who the challengers would be next. Vince McMahon was only thinking about Roman Reigns as champion. Now, Triple H has an idea, has an idea of who will take the undisputed WWE Universal title off of Roman Reigns. Russell Votes said this. They have an idea of who is going to beat Roman. I don't know how it will happen. I don't know who. I don't know if it's going to be specifically Cody. We don't know if it's going to be Cody. I don't know if it's going to be The Rock. I don't know if it's going to be Bray Wyatt. But I think there's a handful of guys that they would say, all right, this makes sense for the future. I don't think it's happening, though, anytime soon, to be honest with you. End quote. I think at this point, from me to you, I think everybody should take this and put it out and leave it out. 
Roman Reigns is not losing these world championships at all. He's not. Roman Reigns is going to get through WrestleMania. He's going to go through Survivor Series. He's going to go through Royal Rumble. He's going to go through Elimination Chamber. He's going to go through WrestleMania with the championships. So whatever you're devising and coming up with, I need you to put it out and leave it out. Throw it out with Monday morning's trash. Roman Reigns will not be losing the WWE or Universal Championships before WrestleMania. Could they do it? Sure. They could absolutely do it. The only thing I could po- the only thing I could possibly see WWE doing is taking one of the belts off of Roman, and that won't happen until the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, where they have a WWE draft for 2023. That is the only thing I could see WWE doing. But from right now through WrestleMania, get it out of your head. Roman Reigns is not losing to anybody. They could take the WWE title off of him via the draft and put it back on Monday Night Raw because the Universal Championship is the one that they're going to be concerned with. 1,000 days. Who takes the belt off Roman Reigns? There is only right now in the company, there's only... Three men. There's only three men right now on the main roster that are going to be a possibility for Roman Reigns. Obviously, Cody Rhodes. Obviously, Cody Rhodes. Bray Wyatt and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is not beating Roman Reigns. I'm sorry. I know everybody loves Sami. Sami Zayn is not beating Roman Reigns for the world titles. It would make an incredible story. We're not going to have Sami Zayn win the world championships from Roman Reigns. It's not going to happen. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to more than likely win the tag team championships and beat the Usos. So that leaves us with Cody Rhodes and Bray Wyatt. When do we get either of those matches happening? I don't know. I don't know. It all depends on if WWE is going to take one of the titles and put it back on Monday Night Raw. That's what I'm confused by. I don't want Roman Reigns to call to hold two championships and lose both championships to somebody else because we're only going to be right back in the same boat. The one thing that they should be coming up with as far as a plan is concerned is how do we get the WWE Championship back on Monday Night Raw if we are going to go ahead with a brand split and draft in 2023? That's the only thing they need to concern themselves with. How do we do that? We do that on the Raw after Mania, and we do it via the draft. Get the title back on Monday. Fine. Title goes back to Monday. Easy, easy, easy in for Cody Rhodes to win the WWE title. That leaves Roman Reigns with the Universal Championship. And then that leaves Roman Reigns with Bray Wyatt. I think it's going to be Bray Wyatt. I think it's going to end up being Bray Wyatt because that's the story to tell. That is... How everything's going to come full circle. It's talk about full circle. I mean, it's in his fucking bio. The red circle. Everything's going to come full circle. Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns is going to be the match. Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns is going to be the match of the year for WWE to build around. Wyatt Six, whether they're a faction or not versus the bloodline, that is going to be your story. I would prefer Cody. I would love if Cody won the world championship. But Cody Rhodes can get his world championship by the WWE Championship going back over to Monday Night Raw and they hold a tournament for it. Maybe they do it in the King of the Ring tournament. I have no fucking idea. 
different ways that they could go about it. I'm talking specifically about the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt is your match. I want to see Cody and Roman at WrestleMania. I, I would love that more so than anything. That's it. And for everybody, like, what about The Rock? You're not bringing the, the Dwayne Johnson back. You're not bringing The Rock back to win a fucking world championship. The fuck does The Rock need a world championship for when this is his final match ever? The fuck is he going to do with the world titles? Bray Wyatt's the guy. Sami Zayn is not it. Cody, I wish we'd get that match at WrestleMania. That is my preferred match. Drew McIntyre, no. Kevin Owens, no. Seth Rollins, no. No. Nobody. CM Punk, no. Get that out of your head, too. CM Punk's not going to be back in WWE. That would be a fucking absolutely terrible decision for Phil Brooks. Bray Wyatt's the guy. The idea to me is Bray Wyatt. Shifting gears to Monday Night Raw. Plans delayed for Randy Orton to turn heel. Now we're starting to hear Randy Orton rumors. Randy Orton rumors coming back around. We're getting closer to the Royal Rumble. Randy Orton rumors are now starting to heat up. Orton and the back injury, the severity of it, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. The last that we heard about Randy Orton's back injury is that it was so severe that it may end his career. Orton is well-liked by many in the company. As he's turned his personal life around within the past decade, Orton seen, is seen as someone who moves numbers and is someone who can be relied upon to execute whatever storyline plans are written for him. Prior to his injury, there were big plans for him that would lead to a singles match with Matt Riddle. It's no secret that there were plans for Orton to immediately turn on Matt Riddle back in 2021, but plans changed and the decision was made for the heel turn to happen at a later date because uh, rated RK bro were, uh, not rated RK, RK bro, rated, I'm thinking Edge. Randy Orton and Edge was my favorite tag team iteration that he was a part of. Matt Riddle and Randy Orton was great too. RK bro, um, it got so hot and it caught on so quick and so intensely. And it was long. The longevity of that group was great. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't want to break them up. They were the hottest act on Monday Night Raw. They were the best act on Monday Night Raw. In the Vince McMahon era, for whatever stretch that was, they were the best act on Monday Night. And it would be a, a foolish decision to break them up. So, in January of this year, WrestleVault reported that WWE had plans for Orton versus Riddle at SummerSlam... But the plans changed and decision was made to hold off the match until WrestleMania 38. Plans changed again, and they were on track for a heel turn during the summer, but Orton suffered the back injury in May. Russell Votes told Give Me Sport that when Orton went down with injury, the plan was for him to come back and immediately turn on Riddle. Keep in mind that all these plans were in place before Vince McMahon stepped down so plans could change, but if and when Orton returns... Don't be surprised to see the immediate turn to set up a long-awaited singles match at WrestleMania 39. At this point, there is no return timetable being given by WWE, but it would not shock anyone if he is cleared or expected to be cleared within the next couple of months, and if that happens, then it could set the stage for a surprise return at the Royal Rumble. I'm telling you right now, if Orton is ready to go, which I am making a prediction he will be, now, this was supposed to happen... At last year's SummerSlam, 
didn't happen. Plans changed, and the decision was made to hold off until WrestleMania 38. Plans changed again because they were so hot. And now we're talking about Orton getting injured in May, and he's going to be out all this year up until next year. He may end up being cleared for the Royal Rumble. I'm telling you right now, the WrestleMania match that you are about to be given this year is Matt, Rid uh, Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. There's no other match that makes sense for either guy. None. It's not going to be Orton Wyatt. It's not going to be uh, anything else. It's not going to be Riddle and Rollins again. No. Orton and Matt Riddle for WrestleMania. And that's going to be a killer match. And Orton works better as a heel anyway. And it could all go down in the Royal Rumble. We can hear that, that fucking theme music go off. And Randy Orton is coming down the aisle. And he's going to pretend, right, that uh, Matt Riddle is his friend. And we could get a heel turn right in the Royal Rumble. I'd love to see it. Matt Riddle, Randy Orton, WrestleMania, going to happen. 39 in Los Angeles. Mark my words. WWE's plans for Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw are put on pause. Triple H loves Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens has tweaked his character. He starts to show elements of his NXT character under Triple H's leadership on Monday night. Small changes were made to his presentation, and Owens has looked better than ever. Wrestle votes told GiveMeSport.com that the reason Owens isn't currently on television is that Triple H has paused his plans for KO due to how over Sami Zayn's involvement with the bloodline has gotten with the fans. He says, and I quote, he was pegged to get involved with Sami and the bloodline, but that's white hot right now. Those plans, from what I've been told, are definitely pushed back, but they are not off because the plan is for Kevin Owens to get involved and be with Sami Zayn. That's the story. Again, put it to the side and throw it out for, with the trash. It's not going to be Logan Paul and Jake Paul against the Usos for the tag team titles. Sami's involvement in the group was only supposed to last a few weeks, but now that has changed. This is something that Sami Zayn recently talked about in an interview. Whatever they have planned for Kevin Owens is totally on pause because this stuff with Sami doesn't come around often. This was supposed to be a little three, four-week comedy deal, and it's getting big. Although Owens has continued to work house shows, his last televised match came on August 26th. That was a Monday Night Raw where he teamed with Johnny Gargano to defeat Alpha Academy, Chad Gable, and Otis. I have no problem with that at all. Everybody's like, oh, where's KO? Where's KO? How come KO's off television? Blah, 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 blah. First of all, KO doesn't travel to Saudi Arabia, number one. So no matter what he does on television, even though it would be great to see him, it's not going to really be pertinent to anything that's going on with WWE television. We may see him back on television now that we're building towards war games. He may be involved with the bloodline. I have no idea. We could get him teaming with the Brawling Brutes. Again, I have no idea. I know a lot of people want to see him involved. I don't think it's the right move to make right now. Holding Kevin Owens back and pushing these plans back is fine to me. Because... Look at how hot Sami Zayn has gotten with the bloodline. If Kevin Owens doesn't fit in right now because of Sami Zayn, that's only a good thing. That means people are enjoying the storyline. That, that means people want to see more of it. And kudos to WWE for acknowledging that and picking up on that and picking up on how the fans have reacted and wanted more of this. Kudos on WWE to seeing how great Sami Zayn has been and have given him more of a role in the bloodline. Even though it didn't really fit in the beginning, I mean, you can't help but fucking love everything that Sami Zayn is doing. Usi, honorary Us, the 
the interactions that he has with Jimmy and Solo Sokoa and the interactions he's had with Roman, the intensity and the frustration between Jay and Sami Zayn, everybody's played their roles beautifully. Whereas when we were complaining, two years ago, we, we were complaining about long-term booking and storytelling. Where's the fucking story on WWE television? This has been the best story all year in any promotion. This has been fantastic television. So they clearly want to keep that going. They just released an Usi shirt on WWEshop.com. You can guarantee fucking T, I'm going to buy the fucking shirt. Because that's how much I love it. And I don't buy any WWE-related merchandise. But that's what I'm doing. Because that's how much I've enjoyed this storyline. So if Kevin Owens has to wait it out, and we have to get Sami Zayn, you know, even hotter because of this, this is only going to work in Kevin Owens' favor. Because I... With Sami Zayn getting as hot as he has been, when his downfall happens, he's going to be even hotter. And all of that is going to manifest, and it's going to get pushed onto Kevin Owens. So this is only doing Kevin Owens even more perfect. I have no problem with him sitting out. He's going to be involved. It's going to make sense. He's letting his little buddy get hot. And when the time is right to strike, it is going to be amazing television. Can't wait. Shifting gears to NXT. People in WWE believe that Cora Jade is the next Sasha Banks. I don't understand that. I don't really understand why we need to label somebody the next Sasha Banks. I don't really understand that logic. Somebody told me something. That really resonated with me, and I want to read this to you. It comes from my guy, Quizzical One, on Twitter. He said something to me that makes perfect sense in all of this. He says, and I quote, I remember Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. I remember Kobe Bryant saying something along these lines, which made perfect sense. And I quote, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan I want to be the first Kobe Bryant, end quote. Cora Jade needs to forge her own path. Cora Jade needs to carve her own personality, her own path. She needs to make her own moments, her own memories. Why are we labeling Cora Jade the next Sasha Banks when I'm going to be brutally honest with you, there will never be another Sasha Banks in WWE, ever. There is only one Sasha Banks. Only one. I don't really understand the logic of Triple H here. Love Triple H, but this is going to really give Cora Jade even more pressure to perform. And when she doesn't, when she doesn't live up to Sasha Banks, everyone's going to be disappointed. Cora Jade signed with NXT last year and was pushed as a babyface star turning heel when she attacked Roxanne Perez. Cora Jade has worked much better as a heel than as a babyface. She still gives off those page vibes, but I could see her being a really great heel moving forward. And I will make a comparison. I will make a comparison at the end of this report. Now, Russell votes. He stated with Give Me Sport that there is a feeling within WWE that Cora Jade can become the next Sasha Banks. This feeling is one that Triple H reportedly shares. He says, and I quote, everyone loves Cora. She's on the fast track to becoming the next Sasha Banks. 
She has the same thing Sasha Banks has. She's talented. She's got this unique look about her. She's super young, and she's pretty decent in the ring, right? The potential of her becoming a big deal is high, and WWE sees that, end quote. Now, it's still unclear when Cora will be brought up to the main roster, and WrestleVotes noted that they wouldn't be surprised if she's given more time in NXT to develop, as she's still at the beginning of her wrestling career. Banks recently teased something big was coming this month, and she's been waiting on this day to happen for the last six months. It's led a lot of speculation that Banks and Naomi are getting closer to making their WWE return, especially after WWE added them back into the signature intro during Crown Jewel on Saturday afternoon. Now, I'll get back to that in a second, but Cora Jade has a very bright career ahead of her. She's, how old is she, 21? She's, she's so, she's a baby. And that's a good thing. She's not where she needs to be right now in the ring. She's serviceable, but I can't, for the life of me, tell you one thing that stood out to me about Cora Jade in a wrestling ring on NXT 2.0. I can't. Even the match with Roxanne Perez was an overbooked fucking mediocre match. It wasn't this grand spectacle that everybody thought it was at Halloween Havoc. She still has a lot of learning to do. A lot of learning to do. To label somebody the next Sasha Banks, you're really setting themselves, you're really setting them and setting themselves up, the WWE, up for a grand failure. The next Sasha Banks doesn't exist. There is only going to be one Mercedes Vernado. Nobody's going to have the sex appeal like Mercedes Vernado. Nobody's going to have the type of look that Mercedes has. Nobody's going to have that star appeal and that star power that Mercedes has. Nobody's going to have that type of essence that Mercedes has. How are you going to label Cora Jade the next Sasha Banks when Sasha Banks legitimately is the leader of basically everything you've come to know and love about women's wrestling in the current generation? She started it off with Bayley. She's been a part of every first-time match in WWE. She's a major movie star now, going to be a major movie star. Her stock is higher now than it ever has been in WWE. Cora Jade is not going to be able to even come close or eclipse any of that shit. I, I, I don't want her to. I don't want her to be the next Sasha Banks. I want her to be the next Cora Jade. Sasha Banks carved her own path. Sasha Banks has her own story. Sasha Banks went out there and made a mark on this industry that Sasha Banks can only do. Cora Jade needs to do the same thing. Cora Jade needs to be Cora Jade. Cora Jade needs to go out there and be different from Sasha Banks, but also respect the path that Sasha Banks has carved. Follow Sasha, back, Sasha Banks' footsteps and enhance what Sasha Banks has done. Don't go out there and be the next Sasha Banks. I want the next Cora Jade. I want there to be Sasha Banks, and I want there to be Cora Jade. I don't want there to be Sasha Banks and then Cora Jade, who is Sasha Banks. There's only one. There's only one. And that's not fair to Cora Jade. Now, they have Cora and Roxanne. I will say this. If they want the next, if they want somebody, I don't even want to say the next because it's going to be misconstrued in what I say. If they want somebody with similarities to what they had in NXT Black and Gold with Sasha and Bayley, they have that with Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. But don't rush it. Don't fast track it. 
Don't give it to us before it's already done. Let them mature. Let them find who they are. Let them get better at what they do and who they are before you give us anything and start labeling people with Bailey, the next Bailey, the next Sasha Banks, the next this, the next that. No. If they want Sasha Banks and Bailey for this generation, there's no better two than a potential Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez. But don't go out there and say, they are going to be. You're going to set them up for disappointment. You're going to set the fans up for disappointment because there is never going to be another Sasha Banks or another Bailey. Just calm that shit down. As far as Sasha Banks is concerned, she's been waiting for this day to happen for the last six months. I said this on the Crown Jewel Post Show. Sasha Banks will be at War Games in Boston. She will be alongside Bailey against Bianca Belair, and I do think that she will be back in the next few weeks. And I do think it's going to happen because I just cannot see Mercedes Vernado coming back and not wanting to be a part of the first ever women's War Games match on the main roster. Alongside Bailey. They did it on NXT at, in Brooklyn at TakeOver. They were there together. This is the first ever War Games in Boston. She wants to be there. Coincidentally, it will be with Bailey. It just makes too much sense. And I do think it will be damage control. It will be Bailey. It will be Io. It will be Dakota. It will be Sasha. It will be Naomi against Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, Candice LeRae, and a returning Becky Lynch. Because Becky Lynch was the last person that we saw at SummerSlam face-to-face with damage control. They have a little history there. I think Bailey is going to have a difficult time accepting that Becky Lynch is back and Becky's going to be teaming with Bianca Belair. That's just me. I could be wrong. He also wanted my opinion on the men's War Games match. It will be the bloodline. It will be Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, Sami Zayn, and the Usos against the Brawling Brutes. It will be Sheamus. It will be Butch. It will be Rich Holland. And it will be the New Day. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. It could be Drew McIntyre. It could be Kevin Owens. I could see those guys teaming up with the Brawling Brutes, but I do see the New Day teaming up with the Brawling Brutes as they have history too. You know, for the last, uh, what was it? Um, When Vince McMahon was there, every fucking week, it was the Brawling Brutes versus the New Day. So why not? Why not? Might as well close that chapter, right? After all the matches they had, going into war games together is kind of poetic. That's my opinion for the two war games matches at Survivor Series. NXT released five wrestlers, one of them being Bodie Hayward. He was a part of the Chase U group. Brian Alvarez said there's apparently more to the story behind Bodie Hayward's release. All I will say is this, says Brian Alvarez. I don't have all the details, but I know that there was stuff going on. I guess the easiest way to describe it is that apparently Bodie Hayward was a handful. So it wasn't just, well, let's get rid of this guy or whatever. But I did hear from multiple people that it wasn't just, we're going to cut some folks. We're going to cut this person who was right in the middle of a storyline. There was more to Bodie's story. That's really all I can say because I don't know what the more is. But you know, you got a bunch of guys and whatever, and they're in Florida, and there's a loop, and only God knows what can happen. Uh, Really vague there by Brian Alvarez. Something happened. He can't tell us because he doesn't have the whole story, but something happened. Alvarez said that he presumed that the other releases were because they were not improving. 
Bodie Hayward apparently got uh, some backstage heat on him, and apparently it might have uh, had to do with work ethic. I believe Dave Meltzer said he stated that he heard there were six releases, so it's possible that one name has not gotten out yet on top of the five that were released this week. Sloan Jacobs was released. 19 years old was Sloan Jacobs. She was in the women's breakout tournament on TV this year. Erica Yan, she last wrestled in September. She was let go. Damaris Griffin, signed less than a year ago, also appeared on NXT Level Up. And Rue Feng, signed with NXT last year, had been working as an enhancement talent. Now, Dave Meltzer elaborated on Bodie Hayward. It was more about his work ethic than him not progressing. All of the people who were dropped, the main reason was lack of progression. They felt they were not improving fast enough. That's going to be the case. They're going to be cutting people at a six-month mark, at a one-year mark, things like that. So if they're not improving, then uh, they're going to get cut. And WWE doesn't want to do anything with anybody if they are that way. And anyone who doesn't get to TV within two years, they will probably get cut as well. So we're going to get regular developmental cuts. It's going to be a thing. So every six months, expect something like this to happen. But with Bodie Hayward, he was one where it was more than just work um, work progression. They didn't like the work ethic. And they didn't like that he was late for shows and didn't show up at shows. Well, that's not good at all. The primary reason for everyone was lack of progression, but for him it was a little bit more than that. It had to be enough to overcome the fact that he was actually in a storyline and that there was long-term storylines to this and that the crowd liked him, which was always a good sign. You want to keep guys that have a good look and the crowd likes, but it was not enough in their minds to keep him. End quote. I didn't watch the videos he put on social media. I heard from people that he was a little distraught that he got cut. He was a little surprised that he got cut. Um, it's going to be one of those things now where he's going to need to take this. And I quite enjoyed him. I thought he was very energetic. I thought he was charismatic. He had this young Billy Gunn slash young Chris Jericho vibe about him. You know, young Billy Gunn, young Chris Jericho look about him. Um, it's going to be something where he's going to have to take this. He's going to have to let it process He's going to have to get out there after 30 days. He's got a 30-day non-compete now. He's got, to get, he's got to get back out there. He's got friends. He's got connects. He's got to work MLW. He's got to work the indies. He's got to get his name out there and really show people that he wants this. He's made it this far. He's made it to NXT TV. He was in a major storyline with Chase U and, and, and Andre Chase and Thea Hale and Duke Hudson. They wrote him off TV. Duke Hudson's now filling in for him in Chase U. He's got to get out there and show people that he can work. He's got to go out there and show him or show everybody that he himself is professional. He's going to take this serious. It doesn't sound like the door is closed for a return to WWE. He's just going to have to go out there and basically take what he's learned, start all over again, and show them that he's willing to change. And the door will be back open again for him to come on into WWE because I don't think WWE wanted to release him. I don't. They had no choice to because... All the mistakes that he were that he was making, according to Meltzer and Alvarez, he continued to make, and at some point, it's got to be punishable. It sucks. It really does. I don't like to see anybody lose their job. Dynamite. We're winding down now. We're getting into AEW. Colt Cabana. 
He was on Dynamite on Wednesday. Everybody was like, why? Everybody was like, well, this ends CM Punk's run in AEW. I and Jesse on Wednesday did not say any such thing. I don't see it. If Punk is gone, it's not going to be because of Colt Cabana's appearance on AEW Dynamite. I said it it was a one-off. I said it was probably a mixture of Tony Khan and maybe Chris Jericho, who has huge political pull dot backstage. Jericho is one of the main voices in the locker room. What, what, Jericho says, what Jericho says holds much weight in the locker room. Could have been a mixture of both. But there is a reason why Colt Cabana returned to Dynamite. And many fans were surprised to see Colt Cabana make his return to AEW on Wednesday's Dynamite as Chris Jericho's opponent, challenging for the Ring of Honor World title. Now, I thought that this was going to be former Ring of Honor World champions. That's what I thought. I, I guess we're changing the rules as we go. So, Colt Cabana challenged, and he's a former Ring of Honor champion, but he's not a former Ring of Honor World champion. Cabana's return was considered to be an indication by many that Punk was out of AEW for good due to their history, as the former AEW World Heavyweight Champion continues to talk with the promotion about the buyout of his contract following the all-out brawl. Meltzer, in the latest newsletter over at The Observer, reported that Tony Khan came up with the idea to have Colt Cabana wrestle Chris Jericho. Meltzer wrote, We were told that this was more for the locker room than anything else, that having Cabana on the show and given a positive spotlight after months of being ostracized for reasons that had nothing to do with him was a dressing room morale booster or a locker room morale booster since he had many friends within AEW. End quote. It will be interesting to see how often the promotion books him on television as he had signed a new deal to work earlier this year, some Ring of Honor dates after the locker room came to bat for him when his deal was coming up. And everybody blames CM Punk with his arrival and his arrival forcing Colt Cabana out of the company. People were in uproar. People were arguing over Colt Cabana's status in the company. So Tony Khan ended up re-signing him and placed him on Ring of Honor TV. But we don't have Ring of Honor TV. So he would have been basically paying Colt Cabana to an AEW contract or a Ring of Honor contract to basically sit home and do Ring of Honor shit when there is no Ring of Honor TV show. Only Ring of Honor pay-per-views. And the next one's happening on December 14th, Final Battle. Now, Wrestle Votes. They noted this week that Colt Cabana's return did not go unnoticed by WWE. People in Stamford, Connecticut were talking about Colt Cabana. Wrestle Votes tweeted, and I quote, Colt Cabana showing up on Dynamite last uh, Wednesday did not go unnoticed. In Stamford, Connecticut. That is all I'll say right now. I don't know what that means. That's only going to add more fuel to the fire that WWE is interested in CM Punk. They're keeping a close eye on this scene. All this means is that WWE, if Russell Votes is tweeting about it, there's some legitimacy to it. All this means is that WWE is keeping a mindful eye of what happens to CM Punk. And if they're keeping a mindful eye on what happens to CM Punk... That means they are interested in CM Punk, at least in some regard. If they didn't give a fuck about CM Punk, then nobody would be watching Colt Cabana show up on Dynamite, and it would have gone unnoticed. Because nobody would have given a shit about it. 
What that means is anybody's guess, but I feel like what it is is just what I told you. And WWE, to me, with what WrestleVotes said, are keeping a mindful eye because they are indeed interested in some way, shape, or form about bringing Punk back to the company. Cody Rhodes' return to WWE was seen as a blow to AEW at the time, and getting Punk back, one of the top draws in the industry, would be a way to send another message that the war is still ongoing between WWE and AEW. The likelihood of Punk wrestling again in AEW seems right now unlikely, but in WWE, the word is that Triple H's stance on Punk has changed, so never say never on seeing Punk wrestle for WWE again. This was a one-off. I said this with Jesse on Wednesday. I was not uh, I was not in the camp of, up. Oh, Colt Cabana's back on television. CM Punk's days are finished. For all we know, CM Punk could be brought back. Tony Khan knows this. You think Tony Khan is stupid? Tony Khan knows exactly what's going on. Tony Khan knows that if he lets CM Punk go, that there is a possibility he would end up talking to WWE. How he's going to maneuver a no-compete clause in that contract or a no-wrestling clause in that contract and how long it's going to be, I don't know. I don't know. I heard rumors that Punk wanted to retire. Punk will never wrestle. Sources close to Punk saying he's going to retire and never wrestle again. Then we got a report literally 24 hours after that one, which was done by Nick Hausman, by the way. Something came out after Nick Hausman said that, saying that Punk, sources close to Punk say he has the wrestling itch again. Nobody knows what to believe. One day it's something. The next day it's something else. One day contract buyout. The next day he wants to wrestle. One day AEW, the next day WWE. Then we see Colt Cabana. WWE's keeping an eye on it. It's going to be talked about for months until Punk finishes his rehabilitation. I'm sick of talking about it. I really am. I don't give a fuck where he goes. I gave you my opinion on it. If he goes back to WWE, it'll be great for a week or two. But how many people in that company do you want to see CM Punk wrestle? I mean, Cody would be great. Edge, Roman. For all we know, Roman doesn't want CM Punk back in that locker room. Why would he? CM Punk is not the type of guy that Roman would want in his locker room. Not after the things have been said and done. How do you look at someone like CM Punk, do what he did to AEW, and then if you're Roman Reigns, allow that man into your locker room? I don't know. If he did what he did to Tony Khan and how many other people in that locker room, you don't think he's capable of doing the same thing in WWE? It's always somebody else's fault with CM Punk. It's never CM Punk's fault. People are taking the elite side on this. Tony Khan is clearly bringing the elite back to television. Tony Khan brought Colt Cabana back to television. This Colt Cabana television appearance was a complete one-off. We're not seeing Colt Cabana back on television. We're not seeing Colt Cabana in storyline. We're not seeing Colt Cabana on television joining the Dark Order. It was a one-off. I don't mind that Tony Khan is taking these steps to reunite the locker room. I don't mind that Tony Khan is taking the steps to really make the fans, or the locker room rather, happy. Never mind the fans. The locker room happy. He wants harmony in that locker room. It was also done as a way to say, you fuck with me, I'm going to fuck back. I love Petty Tony Khan. I do. I think Petty Tony Khan is great. I'd like to see more of it. I find it hilarious. That's what this was. It was, yes, I want to keep my uh, locker room harmonious. I want to do one for the guys in the locker room. But I also want to 
make my stance. I'm the fucking boss. And you're going to fuck with me, you're going to get fucked right back with. That's what this was. It was a one-off. No more, no less. But Punk going back to WWE, I, I don't know. Punk wrestling for WWE, what difference is it going to make? What difference is it going to make? Is he going to be a mover? Is he going to be a needle mover? In some aspects, maybe. But we have all the needle movers that we need in WWE. We got Cody, we got Roman, we got Bray Wyatt. Do we need CM Punk? Is he going to be that much of a difference maker for WWE in the long run? They're operating as hot now as, hot now as they've ever been. With CM Punk, it may actually put a damper on that. And with CM Punk back, it would erase eight years of everything that man said about WWE, making himself out to be the, uh, the, the victim. It would erase literally everything. He would never be taken seriously in any wrestling circle ever again. And basically, he would be doing this for himself only for the almighty dollar. It's a huge career killer. It is a huge career killer. At least what he did in AEW with what he did, it looks like a fucking career killer, but it could be salvaged. That's the fucking funny thing. What he did in AEW could be salvaged and be turned into story to be money and a needle mover. That's something that I wish everybody would get on the same page with and fucking realize. I hope that's the case. For all we know, we could all be worked, and this is all a fucking huge elaborate work. We don't know. Probably not, but who knows? I wish everybody would just take a step back, work this thing out, make some money, and sell some fucking merch. That's all I wish. Moving on. Matt Hardy. He clarifies previous podcast statements. And he did not witness the CM Punk elite fight at All Out. Now, Matt Hardy set the record straight on some comments from his recent podcast where it was misconstrued that he witnessed the backstage fight where CM Punk and the elite brawled at All Out. After an earlier story, others took some comments that Matt Hardy made that he was present for the fight and started to question him on it. Hardy said this in rebuttal, and I quote, On the Friday edition of Extreme Life with Matt Hardy podcast, Hardy said that it's going to be interesting to see Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks back and that he's happy that they are back. The comments he said were taken the wrong way are as follows. He says this, I will say this right now, right here. Those guys didn't do anything wrong in this situation. If anything, they were the victims. And I'm telling you that from a firsthand perspective, I was there. I witnessed it all. Now, I don't know why he would go and say, I was there. And I witnessed it all. It's a pretty bold fucking comment to make if you're Matt Hardy. Now, in the aforementioned tweet, Hardy said those comments were in regard to the entire process in real time over the months, but that he stands by his opinion that Omega and the Bucks were not in the wrong. I love all three of those guys. I've known Matt and Nick forever. I've just gotten to know Kenny while I've worked in AEW, but I'm a very happy guy that they are returning to TV and that they are back and back in the mix. They deserve to be in the mix. He was asked about Colt Cabana appearing on Dynamite this week. He says, I was excited for Colt. It was great. Colt Cabana, he's just been away from AEW for a long time. It is what it is. I don't really have to sit here and go into things, but we are in a position right now where he can be back on AEW TV, and I'm glad to have him back. I'm glad that their names have been cleared, and they are coming back to TV, and I'm very happy to see Colt Cabana, who I think is a great human being. 
And I also think a great performer. I'm very happy to see him back on AEW programming. Now, where Matt Hardy's words got minced and mixed up, Rebby Hardy, his wife, said, my words didn't get mixed up. She says, and I quote, fuck CM Punk. I guess we know how Matt Hardy's wife feels about CM Punk. So there you have it. Matt Hardy had to correct himself. He was not there, but he is standing behind the elite. So we got Matt Hardy standing behind the elite. We got Tony Khan doing what he's doing. We got Chris Jericho going out there claiming that CM Punk is a cancer to the locker room and a detriment to AEW. I don't know, man. I don't know. More and more people are starting to talk about it, which leads people to believe the investigation is over. CM Punk looks like, by how people are talking, that he may not be back in AEW. I don't know. I wish everybody was Usi in AEW. Clearly, they don't know how to be Usi. Jeff Jarrett. Another big thing that came out of Dynamite was Jeff Jarrett. J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-Y. Is Jeff Jarrett back on television? Jeff Jarrett signed a full-time deal with AEW. We'll work behind the scenes to expand live events in AEW. He said first on his own podcast, which is My World with Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett said the pieces of the puzzle started to fall together between him and AEW. And behind the scenes, with a behind the scenes role as well in front of the camera, all those pieces started to kind of fall into place and it didn't happen overnight. This has kind of been a work in progress for quite some time. It was something that just kind of happened overnight. It wasn't something that happened overnight. So clearly he mentions that it wasn't something that happened overnight and that he and AEW have been in talks for a a few weeks at least. He just got released, what, a month and a half ago from WWE? So it had to be right after his WWE release. It had to be during the whole... uh, uh, shindig with uh, the Street Profits and the Usos. He was legitimately on WWE television at SummerSlam. And then he was let go right after that. He was a special guest referee for that tag team title match at SummerSlam. He was let go soon after that. Let go because he was a Bruce Pritchard hire. Triple H got rid of him because he was a Bruce Pritchard hire. So that's some some semblance of revenge there by Paul Levesque to Bruce Pritchard. Let Jericho, filled Jarrett's role with Road Dog, hired his own people back, let Jarrett walk. Jarrett was in contact with AEW soon after he, as soon as he got let go by WWE. So that's what that means to me. Now Jarrett back on TV is aligning himself with Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett were tag team partners at Ric Flair's final match when Ric Flair teamed with Andrade El Idolo. So at least we got some logical pairing here between Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Okay. Does that mean I want to see Jeff Jarrett on TV? No. You have a a difficult enough time to find TV time for Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs and Wardlow and all the young talent that we want to see on television. Miro, Malachi, the House of Black. So many people on TV right now. uh, And there's so many people that are not on TV. For a while. It's been months since we've seen Miro in anything. Ricky Starks just made it back to television because people were voicing their opinion. If we voice our opinion enough to Tony Khan, things may change. I've been voicing my fucking opinion for months about certain things. 
That's what we have to keep doing. We have to continue to complain as a fan base. When things aren't right, we have to voice our opinion. We have to express our opinion. Jeff Jarrett on television is going to be okay in doses, but that doesn't mean I want to see Jeff Jarrett take away TV time from the guys that I just mentioned. Yes, we know AEW uses their legends correctly. Yes, we know Jeff Jarrett is very good at what he does. He looks he looks fucking incredible. It's a great promo. But that doesn't mean I want to see him on television. I honestly believe we're leading to something along the lines of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Darby and Sting on television. It's going to be their own fucking version, a lot better, of what they did at Ric Flair's final match. That's what I feel we're getting. But as far as Jeff Jarrett being on television, being in charge of the live events team, behind the scenes is going to expand on live events. That's great. I think that's fantastic. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know what that's going to mean as far as his role as director of business development. But Jarrett worked in a similar capacity in WWE. He was in charge of that. How so business was up under Jeff Jarrett? He was doing a great job from what I read. So if WWE is, or had him in that role, I think that's a great role for him to have here as well. But AEW doesn't do house shows. AEW does not do house shows. Well, I'll get to that in a second, because that was in the news too. But as long as they keep him minimal on television, I'll be okay with it. I don't want him taking television time every fucking week from a Miro or somebody else that should be on to Ricky Starks or Hobbs or Wardlow. I don't want to see him take TV time away from guys like that. Another thing that could really benefit here with Jeff Jarrett being in AEW, you know, some people say, listen, I don't watch TNA. I don't know what type of damage Jeff Jarrett did to TNA. I don't watch TNA. I don't watch Impact. I don't watch Impact. Believe me. Um, But Jeff Jarrett was actually in TNA, and he was there at the height of their popularity. So I said this on Wednesday. It could be a beneficial partnership for Tony Khan to have Jeff Jarrett on the roster for Jeff Jarrett to kind of give some advice to Tony Khan and, and Tony Khan to use Jeff Jarrett in a way where he's been through what Tony Khan is going through right now. Obviously, with a lot less of a budget Jeff Jarrett had, but he can maybe bounce ideas off of Tony Khan and Tony Khan can use Jeff Jarrett in, a, in, a, in an advisor role to do things that Jeff Jarrett didn't do. And Jeff Jarrett could make him aware of things that Tony Khan should not be doing because I made those mistakes back when I was running TNA. So it, it, it could be a good... Jeff Jarrett's going to fill in perfectly with the backstage role. Perfect. But I don't want to see him back on television uh, on a weekly basis. I think that's going to be counterproductive to what we need on AEW television. And again, you know, it goes back to what I've been saying. So many WWE talents, so many ex-WWE guys coming on over... AEW, the more they do that, the more they lose their appeal. The more they lose their distinction, the more they lose their alternative, right? They're no longer the alternative anymore. They're becoming WWE light at this rate. That's why fans are not really invested as much as they were in year one or year two. Now, Jeff Jarrett is going to be in charge of their live events schedule, business development. AEW wrestlers are actually interested in working house shows. They are interested in working house shows. Now, since AEW started in 2019, the promotion has shied away from running house shows, with only one having taken place, which was the House Always Wins event on April 
in April 2021 at Daly's Place. Instead, AEW has focused on holding televised events, and the company had an advantage over WWE, which still does house shows. However, following the COVID-19 pandemic, WWE has reduced its touring schedule. Jeff Jarrett's new role as business development or director of business development could include the possibility of AEW running house shows. Meltzer wrote, right now, there are no definitive plans for AEW to do house shows, but a lot of the wrestlers on the roster would like to wrestle more and have expressed interest in house shows. Meltzer noted that it is tough to expand the live schedule for AEW as it could argue that the product has been the coldest it's been since its debut. For reasons that we always mention critically and fairly on Wednesday. The benefit of working house shows is that it gives the talent opportunity to work on things in front of a live crowd without the restraints of pressure of doing it on television. Also, younger talents get more reps in the ring. However, to make house shows profitable, you need top stars in the card, and it's unlikely that Jericho, Moxley, MJF, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, and others would work all of the house shows. You know, it's a very tricky thing. You know, I'm not saying you need to have all those guys on the house show. Maybe one, one weekend, one another weekend, and then they can take turns. It's very difficult for AEW to even want to do a house show circuit. But I honestly think working some house shows would benefit the overall AEW product. I would. Now, I feel like with what this report said, the benefit of working house shows gives talent opportunity to work on things in front of a live crowd. There are a lot of talents in that company that need to work things out in front of a live audience before they start bringing shit to television. One of the things I always appreciated about house shows is that WWE always put two guys that they were about to set off on a feud, right? Two guys that were about to embark on a feud, put them out there for a couple weeks to work out the kinks and work on whatever they need to do. They may want to try something different, and then they want to try it to see how it gets over in front of a live audience before they bring it to a live crowd on television on Monday or Friday night, and they get used to it. So many wrestlers in AEW are, are thrown into a match, and they don't have any fucking background at all with each other. They're just thrown out there to wrestle. Imagine how good a match would be if you throw two guys out there, you know, consecutively, consistently, time and time and time again, and they work out those kinks, and then when they make it to television, the match is a lot better than what we would get if they'd never been in the ring. That's one benefit of running house shows. There's one negative about running house shows. It seems like AEW can't get away from the injury bug. God forbid somebody gets injured on a fucking house show, and then it ruins the entire fucking story that you may or may not have planned. But yes, I do think one of the main concerns about that locker room is I want to wrestle. How many people are sitting back and catering, waiting for their opportunity to wrestle, and it never comes? They're on TV once, and then they're off TV for another eight weeks. Or they're sick of wrestling dark, which is now becoming nothing more than a fucking squash fest. It's not the same dark that it was during the pandemic. They could benefit from, from some house shows. I'm not saying you got to do one every fucking day. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? You could do it specifically on the weekends. Do the house show circuit on the weekends. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Whatever. But something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point. AEW is going to need to start thinking of things outside the box. WWE is now 
doing the same thing that AEW is doing. Like I said, they're no longer the alternative anymore. One of the things on Tony Khan's plate that he's going to have to really address and sit down with is to come up with ways on how he is truly the alternative because right now he is not. It seems like he's running around with his fucking head cut off and he's just doing whatever he needs to do to get by. It's not really the vibe that I want from AEW when AEW's vibe was focused, storyline-driven, and they were producing some of the best television in all of pro wrestling. It is not that way anymore. WWE is far exceeding them right now. And I'm being brutally honest with you. And that's not because Jade and the locker room shit on me. That's just the way it is with this Ring of Honor bullshit and the fucking lack of television time for many talents and lack of stories going into full gear. It's not story rich like it used to be. It's not focused like it used to be. They have one great show. They have a string of great shows. And then they go back to being, what the fuck did I watch? Like this past Wednesday. They got a lot of work to do, man. They got a lot of uh, self-reflection to do going into the new year. Anyway, guys. That is all I got for you. Just about two hours in. And we're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second. I want to thank you guys for showing up tonight. We hit the minimum. We hit the minimum of 1,000 likes. Thank you guys very much, man. Cheers to everybody in the OTS venue tonight. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. If you guys want more, go check out the content on the channel, man. Friday SmackDown coverage, Saturday's Crown Jewel coverage, Wednesday's Explosive Dynamite coverage. That's a good show. Go check out the Don Tony podcast that I did on Don Tony's YouTube channel, Forbidden Door 3. I'm already getting vibes that you guys want a part two. And make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. I would really, really appreciate you guys following me on social media as I am on Twitter. Live tweeting. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and every major pay-per-view that we get from AEW and WWE. We did not talk about the Braun Strowman tweet. I forgot to put it in my notes. Braun Strowman, he mocked flippy flipper wrestlers. He went on social media today, did Braun Strowman, and said, holy hell. And he added Omos. Can you believe we got 47 five-star... And reminded the people that no one cares about these floppy floppers. Giants and monsters are greater than flippy flipper bag your groceries at Kroger. Hashtag airport test. Hashtag size is the prize. Hashtag swole is the goal. Jericho responded to this and said, I used to bag groceries. Jericho wasn't the only one that replied to Braun Strowman. Mustafa Ali quote tweeted him and said, Can you teach me to get fired? 
someone said that his match with Omos is better than any Kenny Omega match or any AEW match that they've ever done. Braun Strowman continued to say, yes, yes, you get it. And then he retracted his statement, did Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman retracted his statement because I'm assuming Papa H had given him a phone call. Bro, what the fuck are you doing? He says this, Yo, yo, all my brothers and sisters in the locker room, no matter where you came from, I have mad respect. We have all worked very hard to be where we are and all are here for a reason. Take a joke, IWC. Y'all come at me nonstop and the second I fire back, y'all melt. Says Braun Strowman. This guy is a complete dumbass. He couldn't just take the fucking positive. And he's lucky he got that. He couldn't take the positive that the fans stated about his match with Omos at Crown Jewel and just say, you know what? We had a decent match. Thank you guys for the support. He's got to go out there and make fun of people in the industry and the and the different styles that they have in the industry because he thinks what he and Omos do is special. Discrediting everybody else that may be a flippy flopper or a floppy flopper. I'm sorry, are we going to go out there and criticize Will Ospreay's body of work when Will Ospreay may be the greatest pro wrestler on the fucking planet, right? Can't be just genuine and humble about what you did at Crown Jewel. You got to go out there and shit on everybody else trying to make a living in the same fucking sport in the same industry that he's in. I don't get it. Smudge your own fucking business. Do what you got to do. You had a decent match. People didn't shit on it. Take that for what it is. Instead, he goes out there and shows everybody that his IQ is that of a fucking box of crayons. Braun Strowman. Because Shane McMahon was really right. Braun Strowman is... Fucking dumbass. He's Braun Strowman. Let's get into the Super Chats. Tony Brown. With a $4.99 Super Chat. My IWC Tribal Chief. Tony Brown. Shout out to you, brother. Jonathan McArdle with a $100, a $100 Super Chat. Hey, JD, this donation is in honor of my mother. Today would have been 76 years old. I blessed with 42 years with her. And I miss her every day, November 6, 1946 to May 31, 2022. Jonathan, my thoughts and prayers out to you, brother. A lot of us know what it is to lose a close one. Now, we love you here, brother. Thank you so much for your generosity. And I want everybody in the OTS venue, all my VIPs, to show Jonathan, man, those prayer emojis. Show some love to Jonathan McArdle in the chat. 
Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. I hope Triple H picks Cody or Bray to beat Roman and not Cross. What if it turns out to be Gunther or Heel Drew with Heyman after turning on the bloodline? Uh, it's got to be Bray Wyatt. If it's not Cody, it's Bray. Killer Cross is... I, I don't think people are going to be very pleased with that. And Drew McIntyre has seen his day. Gunther, I could see. Gunther, I could see. But I, I, I do not think it will be Gunther. I think Gunther will be champion at a much later time when Roman Reigns is not in the championship discussion. MGM Ballin with a 1999 Super Chat. JD, have you ever thought about reviewing it? <laughs> Oh, man, Impact. Nobody watches Impact. Nobody watches Impact, man. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Sorry about that, Jay-Z. I was being held by, uh, I was being held hostage by two Impact fans. By all two of Impact's fans. I was able to escape when they were distracted by their mom calling for them for dinner. Who watches Impact? Nobody, MGM. Nobody. Nobody. You want to know how nobody watches Impact? Fightful and their fucking boring-ass crew reviews Impact on Thursday nights to the lofty number of 50 every week. Fuck Impact. Side wrestle with a 199 Super Chat. Shane McMahon was right about Braun Strowman. He's stupid. <laughs> fucking dumbass. Ted Evans with a $5 Super Chat. JD. In the last two years, who has put on the better pay-per-views? AEW or WWE? AEW. That I will not take away from them. They've done pay-per-view excellent. Got a new membership by my boy, Dr. Evil Genius. Oh, my goodness. Nice to see Evil Genius in the venue. He became a new member tonight. We got seven new members tonight, man. I love it. We got Whitney Oliver, Michelle McGlashing, Robert Crawley, Wow Nation. Wow Nation's a new member, man. Wow Nation only uh, was only one of the very few people to stick up for me in the whole Jake Cargill situation, man. Thank you, Wow Nation. Brown Boy, SZN, Dr. Evil Genius, C. Martinez, Serg, T. Channel, and Otis. Thank you for either becoming a new member or re-upping your membership. I greatly appreciate that, man. Thank you guys very much. Chelsea with an eight-month membership. Alrighty, milestone hit. Gets better and better. Thoughts on Bulletin Chocolate Old Fashioned on Fresh Ice. Enjoy the night, Lord JD. Hashtag OTS for Infinity. I never heard of it, Chelsea. I've had Chocolate Old Fashions before. Chocolate Old Fashions are fucking legit, bro. Let me tell you. I had one at the Jameson Distillery when I was in Dublin. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dirty Hamster 95 with a six-month membership. Thanks for all that you do. OTS for life. Thank you, Dirty Hamster. 
And side wrestle with a 199. Who is dumber, Braun Strowman or Ryback? Has to be Braun Strowman at this point. Has to be Braun Strowman at this point, even though Ryback is probably right there with him. Spencer Morgan with the $10 Super Chat. People act like Punk killed someone. He didn't. He's not Crisp Benoit. All he did was run his mouth, which is what CM Punk does, run his mouth. And that's what we love about him, his mouth. Well, take it easy, bro. You you know, your comment can be misconstrued for something else, man. Get your mind out of the gutter, okay? Yes, we love CM Punk for his microphone ability. His promo. But I don't think CM Punk being back in AEW is going to be a good thing. We'll see. The Wolfness Way with an 18-month recommitment. Thank you so much, brother. Stopping by to show some love to the IWC GOAT. Cheers, brother. OTS for life. I appreciate you, man. The Mad Dreamer with a $5 super chat. Hi, JD. Triple H has done an incredible job so far. If you have one thing that you want him to improve on, what would it be? OTS for life. Pay-per-view schedule being changed to mirror something that really brings us back to how we felt about old-school pay-per-views. Maybe changing the sets for Raw and SmackDown and making them a little bit distinct from one another. Different from one another. Changing the theme songs for both shows because I think both theme songs suck. Other than that, we're on the right track, man. Danny in Oak Park with a $4 Super Chat. Enjoying the show tonight. OTS for life. Thank you, Danny. Otis. Otis with a uh, 11 month. Thank you, Otis. Robert Crawley, new membership. Thank you, brother. Not today, Jay, $4.99. What the hell was up with that Strowman tweet? To me, it sounded dumb, and to me, it didn't make sense. Because Braun Strowman's IQ is that of a fucking uh, tractor tire, bro. He doesn't know when to shut up. He got a restart. He got a redo. He's got a new contract. He's back in WWE. He's got Raquel Rodriguez. I don't understand him. Raymond Moore with a $2 super chat. JD, my stepdad's coming home from heart surgery today. That is excellent news, Raymond. Happy to hear it. Keep us updated on that, brother. Jason Barker with three months. What's up, JD? Completely agree with you when it comes to Logan Paul, Crown Jewel, Karrion Cross, and the Marina Shafir situation. Just hope you're oozy. I'm all right. I'm just glad the week's over and Marina Shafir finally blocked me on social media, which uh, will do us both good. Otis, 12 months. JD, I just want to say thank you for being the voice of the IWC and this chat is always feeling oozy. Hashtag OTS for life. Hashtag OTS bloodline. We the ones. We the ones. And everybody else is the twos. Three kings with a 499. All I've seen this weekend is how Logan Paul is better than Punk because he did a better buckshot. The IWC is doomed. Punk gets treated like Benoit now. Fuck him. Fuck him. And, and yes, Otis, Kenta is going to be at House of Glory on December 17th. Who the ops for the four months? Just wanted to say you and the podcast always helps me get through tough times and hard days. And I'll always be grateful for that. OTS for life. Thank you, Who the ops. I appreciate you, brother.
Yeah, Nath Gaming. Uh, Denise is a giant to... Uh, uh, I'm gonna need, uh, believe it or not, I'm gonna need, uh, I'm gonna need everybody to give uh, Denise a break and not troll her, please. No more trolling of Denise, man. We've had our fun with Denise. We know she's boring. Okay, we can move on to someone else now. No more trolling, Denise, please. Jose Gomez with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, what are your thoughts on Elon Musk wanting to charge $8 a month for a blue verification badge? I don't give a fuck, bro. It's a write-off to me. All I ask, and I said this with my boy Genius on his podcast, talking shit. As long as there's a distinct way to tell who's verified and who is just a fucking geek with five followers who wants to be verified. You can't be. You can't have somebody with the same verification status as uh, as Elon Musk. You can't. It's stupid. Yeah, go troll Ryan Satin instead, bro. Chelsea's got it right. Go troll Ryan Satin. He's a fucking cocksucker, man. You can troll him all you want, and you can send him. You can tell him I sent you. Fuck him. Him and his fucking goofy haircut, man. His goofy-looking beard. Raymond Moore with $2 Super Chat. I'm drinking a monster. What are you drinking, OTS? You should really give up on those energy drinks, Raymond Moore. Not good for you, bro. Not good for you. Joseph King with a 10 months. When Jay White is done in New Japan, which company do you think will be a better fit for his overall character, WWE or AEW, and why? You want my honest opinion? WWE. I think Triple H would do wonders with Jay White. BJLJ with a $30 super chat. Hey, JD, this is not wrestling-related. But I was wondering if you're going to do a playthrough of the Resident Evil Village DLC, Gotham Knights, and your thoughts on Resident Evil 4 Remake coming out next year. I don't know, bro. How much is the Resident Evil DLC, and is it worth my time? One, I'm not going to play Gotham Knights because I'm not paying $70 for a game that got a 4 or 5 rating from most of the major uh, review places. And Resident Evil 4, I'm very excited about it. I will be playing that for sure. BJLJ. Also, I can see Bray Wyatt's story ending with him beating Roman Reigns, but first he has to go through Goldberg, Strowman, and Alexa. I believe it definitely lasts after WrestleMania. Grimsley with a $5 super chat. What's up, JD? I absolutely love Bailey, and when she was trapped in that ladder, she was yelling at Cole to help her best female heel in WWE right now. Bailey is great. Damage control is not. $20 Super Chat from Antonio Munez. Thank you, JD, and everyone else for letting me know of OnLap. Was rocking all last night while watching Astros win, playing poker, talking people out of my taking people out of my table, and two more days for my birthday this Tuesday. OTS for life and number one. Antonio, it sounds like you're living life, brother. Happy to hear it. Raging Girl Gamer with a $100 super chat. 
Roman versus The Rock shouldn't be for the title, and Cody should take it off of Roman. Honestly, I think Austin Theory going to pull a Seth Rollins and cash in at WrestleMania. I like that comment up until the uh, Austin Theory comment, Rage. I don't know what they do. with. Honestly, I don't know what they do with Austin, Austin Theory. I don't. Ricardo with a nine months. Thoughts on Cody versus Brock. Also, Jade Cargill still sucks. Cody versus Brock. I don't really care to see that, Ricardo. I, I, I don't care to see that at all. And Rage, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for the 100. You guys have uh, been awesome all week, man. I needed your support. I really did after uh, such a terrible week. You guys have shown up big time, man. Thank you guys so much. Surge D Channel. New membership. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking? Basic with a 199. Roman stated that he would do business with Punk. He would do business with Punk. Well, then we may be onto something then. C. Martinez with the new membership. Thank you, C. Martinez. What are you drinking tonight? Jose Gomez with a $5 super chat. Great show as always, JD. Keep up the great work. Now I'm going to binge the new season of Manifest that dropped on Netflix. Have a great night. I got to catch up on that Walking Dead, man. We got three episodes, right? We got uh, tonight's episode next week and then the final three weeks. Something's going to happen, man. Jeremy, 2006 with a 14-month. F. Jeff Jarrett. They don't need that slap nut on TV. Love being a part of the OTS family. Your opinions mean a lot to me. I enjoy your work. Thank you, Jeremy. That means a lot to me. Tay-Tay, the savior with a 199. Wee-hee! Braun Strowman. Exactly what he is. Gaming in real time with four months. Hello. Do you think we will see Bray use the Fiend in the future? Seems like he's still going to have a darker side. Braun is the worst wrestler. Uh, do I think we see the Fiend? Yes. Do I think Bray is going to bring back the Fiend character and work evil as the Fiend? No. I think we're going to see a new version of Bray Wyatt. Jaxo with a $10. I'm currently drinking liquid death mountain water, and it's good. You know, Jaxo, I do not like their regular water, bro. I, I cannot drink water from a can. It's got this tinny taste to it. But the seltzer, the sparkling water that I drink in the, in the black can, the best sparkling water I've ever had. Evil Genius with a 1999. Super Chat sponsored by the Talking Ship Podcast, plus the ladies say hello to JD. What's up, Evil Genius and the ladies? Go subscribe to Evil Genius and his podcast, man, Talking Shit. We did about, what what we do, bro? We did about like 8,000 views on that motherfucker. Holy shit, I was, I was like, what the fuck? Wow. All this money is coming back to you, Genius. I hope you know that. There may be a scheduling a scheduling conflict, bro. I, I may have to hit you up uh, tomorrow. There may be a scheduling conflict on the date that we have planned. So uh, I gotta I gotta reach out to you and maybe potentially change that. Uh, Lena Scorpio, the four months. You're the goat, and glad to be a part of the OTS 
family, four months in. I agree with you about Cora Jade. To be herself, there will only be one of a kind, Sasha Banks. Yes, Cora needs to be herself. Cora does not need does not need to be Sasha Banks. And 199 Super Chat, MGM Ballin. He says, Yellowstone next Sunday. Let's fucking go. Yellowstone's my other show, bro. It's about time we got some Yellowstone back. I got to re-up my Paramount subscription, though. I let that shit run out. And Grimsley with a $5 Super Chat might be going to SmackDown in Memphis January 6th. The seats in front of the camera are about $800. If I go, I'll try and make an off-the-script sign. You better keep me updated on that, brother. I would love to see it. Captain Solo with a 17-month membership. Thank you, Captain Solo. I guess I'm the only one happy to see Jeff Jarrett on my TV. He's always been one of my favorites to each their own. Listen, bro, nobody's telling you you can't like Jeff Jarrett. You like Jeff Jarrett, you like Jeff Jarrett. People don't want to see Jeff Jarrett on TV. Three Kings with a 9.99. I think I can accept Theory Cashin if something big happens like Sammy Owens tag belts. Roman beats Rock and starts to power trip and Solo uses so- Solo Uso's turn on him and destroy him. Theory Cash is in. I don't know, man. That's really out there. That's really, really far-fetched, bro. Roman being kicked out of the bloodline? Anyway, guys, I'm about to kick all of you out of the venue, man. I got uh, everything I needed out on this show tonight, man. What a show tonight. And I thank you guys for being here with me on Off The Scripts. We're about to get out of here and get ready for a brand new week of contents from the venue, man. Thank you guys so very much, man. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the thousand minimum. Thank you for the super chat love. Thank you for the seven new members tonight. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for all notifications and go check out all the other content that you might have missed on the channel. Guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday evenings. Have a great start to the work week. I need a couple of things from me before I roll this window up and get out of here, man. Number one, I need those guitar emojis, those rock on emojis. I need those ace emojis in the chat. Let me see them all. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night live after Monday Night Raw right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. Thank <laughs> you.